This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, episode 37. Is it too late? Flying Club versus 141. What university should I choose? scholarships, and starting over. This is a question and answer episode, and I'm excited to be here today. And today I have a, a really special guest with me, and it's Tom Wachowski. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's, it's great that you can come back and, and help answer some of our, our listener mail. Just a, a quick explanation as to uh, why these episodes have been a little bit slow coming, but as you know, I've started a new job with a new airline, and boy, I tell you, I've been working my butt off. I, I've uh, actually not been sleeping much. I'm on reserve, and what that means is they can call me up at any moment and have to get to work and go fly. And as a matter of fact, I was in Fort Lauderdale last night. I didn't get in until 3 in the morning, and I didn't know I was going to do the trip till about 8.30 or 9.30 last night. So if we'll, we're going to probably do an episode. Maybe Tom will help us out here with what it's like to actually fly on reserve and how to, how to survive your, your first year as a reserve pilot. As you know, we're going to talk about a lot of really neat topics here and, and answer some questions. There's been a, lot, a bit of a backlog. I apologize for that. I have answered your questions individually, but there's some really good stuff we have here. And I think there's, a lot of these questions will help motivate you in, in your aviation career and, and, and maybe possibly uh, make you decide to, to go into this full-time, part-time, whatever. And there's some really good stuff. But, but first, uh, before we get started, one of the things I've been asked a lot of in the past is, gosh, can you just talk a little bit about where you've been, what you've been doing, and some of the exciting things about flying? And uh, my, just to give you an idea of what's happened lately, since I've been so busy flying, I've, I've just haven't been able to share some of the exciting things I've done. And one of the neatest things I've done lately is I finally... I've been wanting to go to a city of San Diego in California, and I finally was able to do that. And and it's kind of funny because, Tom, you've actually been there recently also, right? Was just there this week, yep. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's so neat because the airport is right downtown, and we're landing. And as I look to the left, the captain says to me, hey, that's the hotel we're staying in. And wouldn't you know, we're, we're actually below the roof of the hotel as we're landing. I was like, Wow. This is pretty cool. Just a wonderful view coming in there. There's so much to see in San Diego. And if you get a chance, and I'll, I'll put a link out there, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash midway. Things that we do on overnights, we get to go visit some wonderful, wonderful places. And the, the USS Midway is, is a wonderful exhibit. It's an aircraft carrier. Anything else out there, Tom, that people can go see? You know, the beach is pretty popular in San Diego, and I think Mission Beach is the big one. And if you've got time, that's definitely worth uh, the drive out to see. Well, that that's pretty cool. Now, of course, Tom joins me, and he's a he's a he's a corporate pilot, and uh, he does more business aviation, and I'm more on the airline side. So, a lot of these questions we're going to get to uh, some some viewpoints from both of us on two different sides of the coin. But but what's neat is that we wind up going to a lot of the same places. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, we do. It's it's funny over time as we've kind of kept in touch. It's how often we are within a hundred miles of each other. <laughs> That's it's it's so true. And, and you know, another thing, full disclosure, Tom and I have never actually met each other. 
That's true. Uh, it, it really haven't. But one of these days we're going to get together. I'm, I'm definitely going to get get over to see you. I, I'm sure we're going to work, working closer and closer to an overnight where I'm actually going to be able to drive and say hi. Yes, yeah. Either you'll make it to Phoenix or I'll make it to New York, one of the exactly, two. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or Tampa. Or, or Tampa. Tampa. Either way. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one, one of the neat things about this job of aviation is the fact that we get to see so many really cool places. I was, and I want to share this with you today, is that if you're thinking about a, a career in aviation, whether it is flying uh, as a pilot or in flight, uh, whether it's flying or, or, excuse me, working in the office, you still get tra- uh, travel privileges a lot of times, whether it's with some corporate departments or the airlines. And there are so many neat things to see. And and some of the exciting things I I never would have been able to see, or maybe I never would have gone there, are things like going to Fargo, going to places like Mount Rushmore, seeing Mount Rushmore and seeing, say, in Utah, going going up to Park City and seeing where the Olympics were. Those are the type of things that, that are exciting about the job, not just the flying. It's being able to visit these places, visit people you really like, and also get to see some wonderful places and do some challenging approaches. So if you're excited about that, then you've come to the right place here at Aviation Careers Podcast. A little bit of housekeeping, uh, just to give you an idea of what's coming up. I know a lot of people have been giving me the same request as far as how do I get into a job and also how do I pay for my education? Well, we're going to start putting together a couple products, and Tom's going to help me out a little bit with this in the future about how you can actually land that job that you want. I'm not going to – I don't spoil it too much, but uh, Tom and I are working on something now, and when it does come out, we will let you know. But you can find that at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Of course, you can also find that at my blog expertaviator.com, where we talk a little more about technical type of details as far as flying is concerned. But we also have a career section on that website. So remember to come here, aviationcareerspodcast.com, and see that. Well, that's enough for uh, for all the, uh, you know, intro here. We we need to take a take a look at some of these questions. We have quite a few questions here, Tom. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, some, and, and I really appreciate uh, your patience, by the way, everybody listening, because I know that I, I've been getting a lot of emails, you know, when are you coming out with another episode? I'm going to try to get this out as much as possible. I know this is what you look forward to, and you look forward to some some advice, but also some inspiration into a career in flying, in aviation, and I, I will try as hard as I can. That's one of the things that I'm really excited about. I just got a line, and what does that mean? Well, what that means is that I just got a regular schedule at the airline I'm at now. And just a, you know what, let, let me digress for a second. A little full disclosure here, and just so I can be upfront and honest about this. I, I honestly was thinking, gosh, maybe I didn't make the right move career-wise. I was really flying in like crazy. And I was get, getting a little bummed out by the fact that I couldn't get out some podcasts and do the things I wanted to do. But you know what? I you know saw it through and it was worth it. Now I've got a lot of days off and I'm able to really work on this podcast and bring you some information and really help you folks uh, to look towards and help you look towards a career in aviation and, and figure out if it's for you or not. So I'm really excited about that. And, and that's, that's, that's something that, that's really, I didn't realize the, that it really was something that is really important in my life to be able to, to present to you and to help you, uh, move forward with your career. And, and this is a really, really important project for me. So with that said, let's, let's get started here with some of the questions. Our first question today, it comes from Morty. Uh, and here's what Morty writes. Hi, Carl. I love your podcast. I'll be 25 years old in one month and will shortly be graduating with a BS in business management. 
I've always wanted to be a pilot. I spent countless hours at Plainview Park with my dad and watching jets scream overhead on landing at runway four at LaGuardia. By the way, I just landed there today. <laughs> my question to you is, is it too late for me to pursue an, an aviation career? I really want to be a pilot. I'm actually burning to fly. The desire to fly burns in me every day. What do you think? Well, Morty, what I think is you need to do it. If something is burning inside you, you need to give it a try. And if you find out later it's not something you want to do, then, gosh, you know, you can move on to other things. You have your whole life in front of you. You're only 25 years old, and that's pretty young. So it's not too late to try. Give it a shot. Listen to what what we have to say here, but definitely plan out what you're going to do and give it a try. Now, the other thing, too, you mentioned Plainview Park. Uh, I want to go back to that for a second. That's If anybody wants to go check this out, it's actually a cool place to watch airplanes. And there's a really neat website, and we'll have this at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash nycaviation. You can find a link from there. But it's uh, NYC Aviation has a list of really cool places to watch airplanes. So uh, I really encourage you to go there, and you'll see a bunch of other aviation geeks. There's so many guys into aviation and girls that aren't even into flying, but they just love to watch airplanes. So getting back to your question, Morty, yes, I think you should pursue it. I don't think it's too late. When I started my career in aviation, I was in, I was 10 years older than you, and uh, boy, I tell you, it's, it's worked out really well for me. Tom? Well, I think you hit up on a couple of really good points, Carl. Number one is to, you know, you mentioned put a plan together. So you have a degree in business management. You know how to make plans and be strategic, so apply that to this career, and I think that'd be that's really wise advice. The other thing is, you're 25. Now is the time. I'm assuming that maybe you're not married yet and you might not have kids. So you've got the freedom to go out and kind of go through what you'll need to go through to work your way up in this career, which is which can be long days, which can be lots of time away from home. It's not so much conducive to a family. So I, I'm assuming you're not in the family part of your life yet. And if that's true and you're 25 years old with a business degree, you are set up. I would say go. Yeah, and Morty, uh, to to add to what Tom says about being single, I will say this. It's been a real challenge for me personally uh, moving to another job and to another airline because when you start with an airline and any aviation department, you usually start at the bottom. So what happens? You get the worst schedules. You're away from home a lot. You don't get to see your spouse, your friends, your family as much as you'd like to. That's actually changed for me, and I'm I'm really grateful for that, but it's just part of the job. So you really have to go into this with your eyes wide open when you're doing this. Uh, and, and try not to get too far into debt, uh, and yeah. be, and make sure that you have your finances really straight. I know Tom, he has a great website as, as far as finances is concerned and, and he explains a lot of this to people, uh, more, I guess, for families and stuff. And what, what is that website one more time, Tom? Yep. That's yourmoneyhouse.com, but more for personal finance, not so much for planning a career. Right, right. And that's, that's kind of a, personal finance is extremely important in this career because of the fact that you do spend a lot on your education. Not only do you have a bachelor's, you also have to go out and do your flight training. Um, I think that, People really don't realize how important uh, financing is and being solvent whenever you're flying because you never know what might happen. I mean, if if I have a problem med- medically, I could be out of work for six months, a year, two, three years. 
And it's not so much like in another job. If I broke my job while I was programming computers, or broke my, excuse my leg when I was programming computers, I'd, gosh, I could go to work the next day, not here. I wouldn't be yeah. able to use the rudders. So that's something to really think about. Yeah, he's got that degree with uh, in business management. I, I just, like, in my head, I see him using that degree and probably making fair, fairly good money with that degree that he can fund the flying with. But, you know, there's something else he said, and this, this gets to me, is, and, and I hear this a lot, is I have a, I have a desire in the, that burns inside yeah. me every day. Yeah. And I tell you, I, I have, <laughs> when I was really young, I, I really would look up in the sky and watch airplanes, and, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I was with my dry, brother one day. We're driving. We're pulling off this exit ramp. I look, look, there's a big 747. He goes up on the curb, and we blow two tires. I had to change both tires. You know, Luckily, <laughs> I was working at a gas station at the time. But, you know, I was so into aviation that it, it even caused me to, to run off the road. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you have that desire, then then I would say, you know, it, go for this. You know what? I'll tell you what. In, no matter what, what career you're in, if you really enjoy it you're going to make money at it you might not make a ton of money but uh but if you really have a passion for it it'll put you in the top 10 percent probably of your field which enables you to make a really good living and and it's all up to you no matter what you do you you can you can make that career your life you can design whatever you life life you like so yeah yeah, carl that that's a good point Uh, you know it's I, i was doing something the other day we had kind of a chaotic day and somebody said something to me like oh you know this this just must be terrible, you know. And my remark to him, in, in going with what you just said, well, hey, it beats working for a living, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's very true. Uh, you know, get, to give you an idea, Morty, when you get to this point, like where I have a schedule next month, I have seventeen days off next month, hmm. and I have eleven days off in a row. I mean, most people—that's what they call a vacation. Yeah, And those are just my days off. So life is pretty good. I, I really enjoy it. So I hope that's encouraging. If you have any other questions, of course, uh, send them in. And by the way, if anybody has questions, it's aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. And you can find that there and, and send us your questions. Well, moving on to our next question, it's uh, from Kathleen. And she asked about Flying Club or Part 141. And she actually has a couple more questions involved here. So let's let's read what Kathleen has to say. Hi, Carl. Thanks so much for the podcast. You and your guests have been such a guiding light for me. After eight years as a reporter and two years in corporate marketing, I decided to pursue my dream of flying. I live within sight of a great small airport, Burke Lakefront, where there are two reputable choices for flight instruction. A small flying club with a huge fleet of smaller planes that's within my financial reach. There's also a wonderful Part 141 Flight Academy with less planes but nice, new, fancy airplanes. However, it'll take me almost a year to save up the money for that school as I don't need to pay up front for my entire private pilot training. And uh, I think that school meaning the 141 training. I'm an admitted overachiever and will spend lots of time on my own training. I also want to buy my own airplane, and the flying club would teach me in this aircraft, but the academy won't. My boyfriend's an AMP, so maintenance is no concern. I eventually want to do commercial flying. Is one of these options a better choice than the other? So there's really just three options here. We're talking about Flying Club 141 and owning your own aircraft. And I understand the Flying Club will teach you in that aircraft. One thing I caution about buying your own airplane. I've owned airplanes, and, and it's uh, the, the toughest thing, actually, is getting rid of an airplane. And when you said here your boyfriend's an AMP and the maintenance is no concern – 
the cost of the labor for maintenance is no concern. But I tell you what, I had a blown cylinder on a 182 that I owned. It cost me 1800 bucks to, to fix that thing. So maintenance is a concern as far as parts are concerned because anything in an airplane costs you money. I normally tell people, eh, you know, you really need to think uh, hard and fast whether you want to purchase an aircraft or not because once you get your job flying that you want, you may not have the time to actually maintain the aircraft properly and you may not have time to actually even sell the aircraft. I have lots of friends that have done this and a lot of them have been stuck with an airplane that they really didn't want. So be careful there. Uh, as far as a part 141 and the club, you know what? If they're good instructors, they're good instructors. It doesn't matter if it's 141 or a club. The 141, of course, that you can get it done quicker, but in your case, it may not work out because they want the money up front. So it sounds like the, that possibly in your case, it might be best to go with the club flying. And by the way, Burke Lakefront is a cool airport. What an awesome place to fly right on the, the lakefront there. So there's there's our three things there. And I'm going to let Tom talk a little bit about what he might suggest in this case. Well, I agree, Carl. That airport is really cool. We, I think about a year ago, diverted into Burke. And uh, it's just an awesome view coming in there. And that's uh, you're lucky to be training out of there, uh, Kathleen. <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, an option to look at is not necessarily just a club or just the 141 or just buying your own airplane, but consider all three. And what I mean by that is it sounds like from your question that the club would be the most flexible. So why not start there? And if you need more, you've got the 141 school just across the runway or down on the other side of the airport, and you could transition into that. And then if that was not enough, maybe then move into buying your own airplane and finding instructors or going back to the club. In other words, maybe using a combination of those in the order that would provide you the most options. And, and it sounds like the club would be the one initially that would provide you with the most options. And it sounds like maybe even cheaper as well. You know, she mentioned about the 141. A lot of programs uh, have a dovetail where you can take just maybe your private, your commercial mm. or whatever and, and put that into the program. Sometimes that can actually be tougher and and wind up, you can wind up actually spending more time flying. Mm. Uh, you can still do a 141-type syllabus without actually doing it part 141. Again, part 61, part 141, we're talking about you know where the FA allows people to actually train uh, in less time but do it in a much more compact schedule. So in other words, you have to uh, finish these training gates in a, in a, a much uh, shorter amount of time, meaning that you're not going to forget what you're doing. So it's it's very structured. Uh, 141 is great, but honestly, I've done uh, some 141. I've done some Part 61, and I've always used a 141 syllabus for both. So you can get, like Tom was saying, the benefits of both and even use a 141 syllabus while you're at the club, and they may even do that. So I, I definitely I think that's a great idea, Tom. I think uh, you can combine the two, and and it may be better for you to go for a 141, even in say a commercial multi-engine uh, mm -hmm. arena too. So that's something else to look there. For. You know, it might be worth doing a lesson with each and seeing which one feels better. Right, 
Right. I, I the, the concern she has though is a good a valid concern with paying up front. Yeah. Uh, I I uh, gosh, you know, I was around in the era of when these big 141 schools were taking huge checks from students and going out of business and keeping the people's money and the student was still on the hook for $50,000 or $40,000. Uh I I understand the concern there. There's a lot of laws out there that have changed. Uh, people probably listening are thinking that's crazy. That can't happen. But it's not like a college. Uh, it's, it's more like a, a, a vocational school where they can actually ask you for the money up front. Uh, but the, the government's really cracked down on those type of people doing that. And yeah, there's some shysters out there. So you have to be careful, but it's, it's, it's tougher for them to get away with it, but mm-hmm. they still could. But, uh, but yeah, having an AMP helps though. I mean, owning your own, I will say one thing. Having your own airplane is cool. It enables you to go places and, and do things on a moment's notice. But in the end, if you're just focused on a, on a career, it's uh, an airplane is just like having a boat. It might be an anchor on your, your neck. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because I have a boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's a big hole where you pour money into, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I hope that's answered your question, and Kathleen, uh, please send us some more if if you want to. The uh, the next uh, Tom, you have any more on that one before? No, on? no. Okay. The next one comes from Swain. Swain and I have had a lot of conversations, uh, so he has uh, a bit of a long email here. But I want to share this with you because Swain's a really neat person, and he's he's really passionate about flying. He's getting a lot of advice online from different people and some wonderful people that uh, that have been helping him move forward. There's a lot of negative comments out there, but he's been focused on the positive, which I like about uh, Swain. So Swain, uh, his question is this, or his email is, Hey, Carl, hope everything has been going well for you. Any fun flying recently? Well, I just mentioned a couple of the cool things that I got to do. Uh, that So I hope you enjoyed listening to that, Swain. I want to thank you so much for supporting me and offering your advice, both in flight training in, and in career aspirations for the future. I really appreciate the time that you spent talking to me about your flying both in and out of your career. Yesterday morning, I took the biggest step in flight training since my first solo flight. With 15.9 total flight hours training, or total flight training hours, 44 landings and takeoffs, and 2.7 hours of solo flight time, I set out on my first solo cross-country flight from Hanover, Virginia, to Farmville, Virginia. After having my... uh, first opportunity for solo cross country canceled due to the weather. I was excited to see if everything would work out for Thursday morning. In addition to the day before I was scheduled to fly, there had been a slight mechanical problem with the plane. I wasn't sure if everything would work out. Arriving at the airport, I was happy to find light winds and a fixed airplane. The first solo cross country flight any student for any student is a big deal. It's my fir- it's the first time that you're not restricted to a 25 nautical mile bubble around your home airport. With the ability to fly cross-country flights, I can now, in theory, fly myself anywhere in and out of the state nonstop. He also puts a link to his uh, – he has a blog. It's called martinsaviation.blogspot.com. I have a link, and he talks about his first uh, solo flight. He also has a YouTube video, and that's on his, his channel, and I have links to that. But it's really, really cool. Uh, and he gives uh, some links, and I'll share those with you. He says, hope er- uh, everything has been going well. Let me know what kind of flying you've been doing recently. Well, you know, uh, it's it, Swain, it's been been really, really neat as far as flying is concerned. I've uh, been doing some red eyes uh, back and forth to the West Coast, L.A., San Francisco, uh, Oakland, those type of things. I've been flying all over the Caribbean. 
Uh, had a really exciting flight the other day that I, I will share with you. There's a, a intersection out over the Bahamas called Elbow, and right near there is a place that uh, I used to be in the Bahamas when I was in my seafood business, and it's called Green Turtle Key, right next to an airport called Treasure Key Airport. And the day that I was flying over there, it was a beautiful day. The sun was high in the sky, and you could see all the turquoise waters. And uh, it was just – it was all this reminiscing uh, of of flying over there uh, every week to go back and forth to the Bahamas from the U.S. and uh, all the wonderful memories there. But that's that's some of the, the really neat things. And also, congratulations on your cross-country flight. That's terrific. And, and we're going to be following uh, Swain. We may even have him on the show one day. But it's really neat to see some as young as Swain, uh, start out in aviation. And we definitely want to encourage uh, folks to listen to his story because that will actually help encourage you. And again, it's martinsaviationblog.blogspot.com. And uh, Tom, maybe you could share also for, for Swain and the, the listeners what another exciting type of trip that you may have had. Well, you know, as you read that, Carl, uh, the exciting trip that kept popping in my mind was my first solo cross-country. And I went from Romeo, Michigan to Seabwing, Michigan, which is kind of in the thumb of the state. And it's just something that, that you never forget. It was uneventful, but you remember every mile, you know, both ways. And uh, so that, that was really neat. And so I, and congratulations to Swain for the first. I mean, that is a big deal. That is a to take that airplane on your own away from your familiar territory by yourself. It's it's uh, definitely a huge step. So congratulations. Yeah, it's always scary. Uh, you know, you don't want to get lost. Yeah, <laughs> <That's for> sure. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, that was I, I never. It's really weird, but I still remember all my cross countries. Yeah, when I started out. Yeah. So never forget that if you're if if you're training right now. You should try to remember those things because you're going to look back and say, well, you know, I remember when I did this, when I did that. And you know what happens is that you wind up going back to doing that again. Yep. You know, I, I've been be flying over 20 years and I'm going back and doing the same cross countries I did when I first started flying. Yeah, I remember the story I heard uh, when I was somewhere maybe in the middle of my career and it was a – it was like a comic, and it was uh, some guys in, a, in like a 172, and they were looking at a King Air and saying, boy, I'd like to be in that King Air. And then the guy in the King Air was looking at the corporate jet, saying, boy, I'd like to be in that corporate jet. And the guy in the corporate jet's looking at the airliner, saying, yeah, I'd like to be in that airliner. And the guy in the airliner's looking back down at the 172, saying, I just wish I could go back to that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, Tom, that reminds me when I, we were taxing along a, a buddy of mine, and we're flying together, and a real nice guy, and we, we were in the Airbus, and... We look outside and see a light sport aircraft, and we both say, "Oh man, that's cool." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's probably looking at us saying, "Oh man, that's cool." Yep, yep. It's, <laughs> it's all your perspective on things, but it's an airplane, so it's cool. It doesn't matter if it, if it has that's wings; right. it's awesome. Well, moving on. Well, we're uh, this. Oh, by the way, this episode is going to go a little bit long, so uh, I know that uh, from the past people said, "Hey, listen, we want to hear all this information," so we're going to keep on going here. Uh, the next question is going to be from Tyler, and uh, his subject's about twenty-year-old pilot and training. First, he starts off with, Hi, Carl. I have recently discovered your podcast, and I'm halfway through them starting from the beginning. So he's been listening from the beginning. That's great. They've been a huge boost in motivating me because I hear the downsides of flying more often than I hear the positives. I agree. You have to choose a career that you feel passionate about, and aviation is just that for me. I started out with a Young Eagles flight and was extremely lucky to receive the first National Young Eagles Flight Training Scholarship from them three years ago. That's wonderful. Congratulations. That award let me complete my private pilot license at no cost to me. 
Since then, I have also completed my instrument rating and commercial license. During my journey, I've met a lot of incredible, helpful people in aviation. I attend the EAA Air Show in Oshkosh and have become very close to a lot of staff at Oshkosh, including Jeff Skiles. Tom, do you remember who Jeff Skiles is? You know, the name rings a bell, but I can't say I know him. Well, if you remember in the um, Miracle on the Hudson, Jeff Skiles uh, ah, was the first officer yes. during that flight, and he's actually become spokesperson for uh, the EAA, the Young Eagles. He's a wonderful individual, real neat person to talk to, and he also is, he's great at motivating young people in aviation. But continuing on with uh, with Tyler's uh, message here, uh, email, uh, he says that uh, the past fall I got to fly a 210, uh, Cessna 210, out of Granite Falls with him, and that meaning Jeff Skiles, and fly three World War II training airplanes in a P-51. I also got a bonus flight in an extra 300 aerobatic airplane. EAA's Jeff Skiles wrote up the article in Sport Aviation for the event. So if you ever, uh, I'll put a link to that, but EAA.org, uh, they have a magazine and there's a, he'll, there's a write-up about this gentleman in there, uh, young man here. I've been fortunate and I always talk to everyone at airports just hoping for that lucky break someday. I was supposed to be flying for an aerial photography company this summer. I thought this was going to be a perfect summertime job before I transferred to Minnesota State and this fall studying aviation. It turned out to be the kind of flying I didn't care to try again. It was very low, and the owner wanted us to go lower than the 500-foot minimums. Also, the plane we were flying was a very old and fragile Cessna 172. The whole setup just didn't feel right to me, and I was very nervous to continue. I didn't get much sleep on our first trip. Afterwards, we ended up with a fuel leak in our left wing. I ended that job and now mow lawns for the school district to provide a way to pay for school. That is how I found your podcast. I needed some time, something to fill my ears while mowing, and this has been great. I'm hoping to get a chance to meet you at Oshkosh this year. I haven't listened ahead, so I'm not sure if you're going or not. Also, any information about jobs for a 400-hour pilot, I'm hoping this year at, uh, how do you say that again? Mancota, Mancota, I can find uh, some job opportunities. That's at uh, Minnesota State at Mancota. Thank you, Tyler. Well, first of all, Tyler, I, I really commend you for not going forward with a job you don't feel comfortable with. I can't tell you how much money I have left on the table in flying jobs because I didn't feel com- comfortable and also I was asked to do something illegal or I was asked to do something unsafe. Remember this. If you do something illegal or you do something unsafe, and either you get caught or you crash, it's going to be you that's involved in that crash or that incident, and it's going to go on your record. You know, I at one point did some work for a flight school where the owners kind of pushed uh, for instructors to fly an illegal airplane, which wound up in in a big investigation, and there were nine letters of investigation from the FA. And who did they go after? They went after the individual instructors. So remember that. It's your ticket. It's not the person you're working for. So I really commend you for not going forward with that job. Uh, but but there there's bunches of others out there. Building time, you know, you also have like banner towing, which is starting to get really popular now. Again, you have to watch there no matter what you do. 400-hour pilot, boy, you, you know, you can go towards becoming a flight instructor. And I really highly recommend becoming a flight instructor because there's nothing like teaching that makes you learn more about aviation. 
Tom, do you have any suggestions for uh, for Tyler? Well, you know, two things there, and and uh, I too echo you, Carl. Great work, just not going down that road. That, to be honest with you, in my mind, that is captain material. I mean, that's uh, uh, somebody who brought me up in this industry said, you know, we are paid to say no because oftentimes the people that we're working for, and I'm probably speaking more from a corporate standpoint here, but the people that we're working for, they have hired us, the pilots, to be kind of their experts and their fiduciaries. And if we say that something is unsafe, that's what they're paying us to do, to use our expertise to let them know how to run a safe, efficient operation. So uh, I know that was probably very difficult to say no. Uh, Great job. That's excellent, excellent work. Uh, the other thing I echo, Carl, that you said, is, or I'll echo what you said as well, is the flight instructing. That 400 hours, I immediately went back and thought, I started flight instructing, I think it was just over 300 hours, and there is no better way to learn aviation than to teach it. And that's really true of any subject. And I will say this, and Carl, maybe you could, uh, maybe you would agree with this. You can often tell when you're flying in a crew environment who was a flight instructor and who wasn't. And, and that doesn't make one better than the other. You can just see that the different ways they operate the airplane, and, and some of them you can even see that they have a completely different understanding of how the airplane operates. And so at 400 hours, yes, go, go be an instructor. It's a blast, and, and you may have to say no again at down the instructor career, but now you know how, and uh, you'll definitely – and oh, by the way – when I flight instructed, I got some of my best multi-engine brakes flight instructing. People would come into the flight school and say, hey, we need somebody to do that to, to I would fly in a Navajo. And uh, I was able to pick up multi-engine time by flight instructing. So there's a lot of opportunity down that road. You know, and that's very true as far as instructing is concerned. But there's, you know, there's other many different ways to make money uh, besides, like I said, with banner towing, aerial photography. And, and to tie into that, I got my aerial photography jobs from flight instructing. Mm. And, uh, you know, because when you're instructing, you're doing turns around a point all day and, and you'll do that with, with uh, aerial photography also. And uh, I think it's another opportunity. So there's there's so many things out there that you can do. You can also do pipeline patrol, uh, getting – and then adding on to what you had to say about jobs, there's uh, – I'll give you some examples. Flying somebody around in a single-engine airplane, a corporate aircraft, a business aircraft. You know, everybody thinks that people fly around these corporate jets. You know, these companies started small. And one of my partners in an airplane, uh, previous partners, he owned a business. And he started with a 182. And I was partners in that 182. Well, his business grew and he wound up buying a Baron. Well, I've seen people go from Barons all the way up to King Airs and then flying around in multiple jet aircraft. So you never know where that yeah. might lead you. You never, ever know. And there's so many opportunities out there. I know a person who is now flying for a group of, of doctors who are partners in an aircraft, and he is their pilot. So they have a shared interest there. So there's there's so much out there. But to find these jobs – and this is really important. To find these jobs, you're not going to do it here at home. You're going to have to do that at the airport. Networking is, is key. And I know Tom is a big, big uh, proponent of networking. But you need to get out to the airport because that's where the airplanes are. Wouldn't you agree, Tom? Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of airports have um, – I don't want to say – boards is the wrong word. But they have like like aviation groups at the airport. Like I'm thinking of our airport. We've got the uh, state business aircraft group and what a networking opportunity. So maybe look for that around the airports around uh, where you are is the groups that are associated with that airport as well as the businesses. 
So I, I think you're on the right track there. There's a million different jobs, and hopefully this podcast has helped you with some of those jobs. And, and by the way, um, one of the things that I am working on is getting not just uh, loans, grants, and scholarships, but also another board up that that has just jobs and different listings and that type of thing. And that's that's to come. I, I'm actually having to hire someone to do that, so you will see some of those in the future. But there's so many different things you you can do. But I appreciate the you know the the input there. Try to get your CFI. What Tom said about people having their flight instructor certificate it does help especially right now because airlines are hiring people with little experience because of the fact that they just can't find people they have to get them at 1500 hours now and some of these guys haven't flown and gals haven't flown ifr in, in forever they've been towing banners or whatever and you get them and you're actually going to have to be teaching them as you're doing approaches because they haven't had a lot of experience and and that's just the way life is yeah. You know, you really have to watch them. When you're a captain, no matter if it's corporate or if it's in an airline, you are always, always an instructor, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that question. Uh, moving on to the, to the next question. Oh, by the way, getting back to Oshkosh, this is after Oshkosh. I, I couldn't make it to Oshkosh. I actually had to go to, uh, to jury duty. So I, I oh. ended up doing that, but that's okay. You know, I, I did my, my, thing that I had to do for our, for our uh, community there. Uh, next question comes from Rista. Rista, I think is how you say it. Hi, Carl. I'm 17 years old, and my dream is to become a commercial pilot and fly for Emirates. I think that you have an answer for my life question. But is the best route to become an Emirates pilot, or what is the best route to become an Emirates pilot, and how can I get there? I have a class one medical, and in the future I'm planning on doing my private pilot license. I'm from Serbia, Belgrade. Aviation Careers Podcast is truly awesome. It's amazing what you can learn about aviation by listening to your podcast. I wish that you could answer my question. P.S. Sorry for the bad English. Hey, the English was great, Rista. That, that was a wonderful question. I appreciate your, your, your putting it out there. And, and, and another thing I, I have to say too about a lot of these questions come from people in other countries, uh, other than the United States. I'm in the United States. I try to get some folks input from other countries, but the basic premise for aviation careers is, is similar. As far as specifics for your country, it is definitely, it, it's, it's a little bit different, but the licenses work all throughout the world. I, ha- we will get into some JAA, you know, type of licenses. That's something down the road, you know, basically an international license, but, I really uh, I appreciate your question. No matter what it is, where you are, if you're in Poland, if you're in the Czech Republic, the questions I get from Australia, it's all the same. Aviation is is a common bond. We all have to learn how to do stalls, turns, and landings. So flying an airplane is flying an airplane, whether you're here or on the other side of the world. And, uh, but, but Rista, as far as becoming a commercial pilot for Emirates, okay, you've defined one airline. And that's good. I think you should do that. I think that should be your goal. But make sure you also have some, a backup plan, of course. But what you need to do is do a lot of research into what they want. And you make sure you have that. You might need a, say, a bachelor's uh, degree, and you may need to have that four-year degree to get into Emirates. Uh, you have to have a certain number of hours, probably being a pilot in command of a jet. So you want to probably start with an, a regional airline job and make sure you get some hours there. My friends that have gone to Emirates are, have been people that have flown for the regional airlines or actually have come from some other major airlines, and they have pilot in command time 
as far in in their background. So it's really, really important that you get that time. So so try to do that. So I, w- I would very highly recommend you're also looking at what it is you want to do as a commercial pilot. You know, make sure, you know, I know Emirates is a wonderful company, but make sure it's it's what you want to do. There's some great books out there that uh, that have been translated to many different languages. One of is uh, What Color Is Your Parachute? I'll have a link to that on, on the website. But uh, but Rista, that was that was a wonderful question, and and I would love to see you start flying for uh, for uh, Emirates. I think it's a wonderful company. Tom, do you have anything to add for that? No, I think that's good advice. Uh, you know, and you know, I'm, I do kind of notice a theme in a lot of these questions, and and I, and I fell. I don't want to say victim, but I, I was guilty of this too when I was in early in my career, and and even sometimes throughout life, I think we fall victim to this. Is is don't forget that the journey to get to Emirates in this case or to you know flying for an airline or whatever don't don't forget to enjoy that journey it's it's not going to matter so much in the end i don't think that that you know which flight school you went to and which airplane you trained in as long as you got the things you needed but what's going to matter is how much fun you had along the way and the people that you met and the things that you learned. And so I've noticed in a lot of these that we're so focused on the future, which is great. Absolutely, you have to be focused in this career, I think, to get where you want to be. But it's a fun ride. And, and just be cautious and on the lookout for getting hung up on the goal and missing, missing the flight, so to speak. Great advice, Tom. I, you're right. It, it's it's very important to, to enjoy that ride. You know, Tom, Rista, actually, I, I had uh, answered her question in an email, and she got back to me about the fact uh, that I mentioned the four-year degree, and uh, she was concerned. She wanted to know where she should go to school. And boy, that's a that's a big decision. You know, it's it's uh it, it's very specific as to what you want and need. I will say one thing: there's a lot of schools out there that have a great network. Uh, when they're trying to place pilots yeah. at airlines. And the other thing you should look at is maybe what they call bridge programs where you can go right from a university into an airline and there's a whole bunch of them out there. I don't have a list of those yet, but there, there are actually some, some pretty cool listings out there, uh, with aviation websites that, that have some of the universities. But you got, you know, she mentions a couple things. Arizona State, Ohio State, Illinois. Any of those, those listings that you see online are good ones to look at. Embry Riddle, of course, is, uh, one of the big ones in, in the United States. Uh, University of Northern, North Dakota. They also have bridge programs with airlines. Many of these. Pan Am Academy has, has a bridge program. As a matter of fact, I forgot, uh, they just got bought out. Was it the, the Japanese uh, ANA just bought mm. Pan Am Flight Academy? Uh, they, so they all have these type of bridge programs. So you may, or, or excuse me, there's a lot of them that have have these bridge programs. So that's something else to look at when you're asking these questions. Uh, as as far as a directory, uh, AOPA Pilot Flight Training Magazine. They actually have a directory of colleges, and you can actually go to their website. I'll uh, put that also out there, aopa.org. It's their flight training magazine. They have a good listing. And I'm going to try also to get a listing of all those colleges and, and, and the bridge programs that they have out there for you. But I got my work cut out for me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say the bridge program, actually, never even thought of that, Carl. You bring up a really good point because uh, I, I'm a product of the bridge program. I actually did a bridge program into an airline on the East Coast. And the reason I say that now is because that fast-tracked me into the ability to get flight time. 
uh, it, it just flew my brains out at that regional. But I got to that position where I could fly like crazy and get all the flight time at the regional through the bridge program. So definitely if somebody's looking to do the fast track into this career, that's a really good point, uh, wise advice on the bridge program. Right. And, and, and like I said, they, these are all products that we're trying to put together for people. I've, um, like I said, I'm very excited to, to get moving on some of those for you to help you out. Uh, I'm going to put together a listing as far as what, uh, what different universities are out there. Uh, also in the book, Aviation Careers and Inside View that we're working on, we're going to have a chapter at the end that lists all the universities and the affiliates that they have with the, with airlines, and that'll be uh, updated. I may even keep that as an online document so it's constantly updated. But, uh, so that's a great question, and I think, I think you're on the right track. It sounds like you really are passionate. I hope you, I hope you keep in touch and, and you let us know uh, where you go with, with this career, and, and if you have any questions, just, just let us know. Again, uh, I, I hope you'll continue listening to this because it's a it is a long it's a long process to get to that career path. I gosh I've been doing this uh, professionally since '99, flying uh, since 1989, doing my own flying for myself and my business, and uh, I've used podcasts like this, products, magazines. I still read magazines mm. like AOPA Flight Training Magazine to get some information. So it's wonderful. There's some great stuff out there. But that path, uh, Carl, is so worth it. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. But uh, again, Rista, thanks for the question. Uh, the next question I have actually is from Gabriel. Now, Gabriel's going to ask a question as directed towards another guest that we had on, Eric Crump. And he was with uh, Polk State uh, College over there in the Polk County in Florida. And uh, they did, they do some wonderful things there. And Eric is incredibly involved with the aviation community. He's a wonderful person. And so I'm going to have uh, him answer this question. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you his answer. But first, let me read Gabriel's question. Gabriel's subject's about private pilot training in uh, center in Brazil. Gabriel says, hi, my name is Gabriel. I'm a Brazilian who has just started to fly here in Brazil. I really enjoy your podcast, enabling us to learn more about aviation careers. I heard the last episode with Eric Crump, and I'm fascinated with Eric's approach to teaching people how to fly the proper way. Here in Brazil, it's very hard and very expensive to become an airline pilot. Unfortunately, we don't have the greatest equipment to fly. When I listen to you and Eric speak about why you have to turn a lot of things, why you have to learn, excuse me, a lot of things, and that it seems unnecessary for primary students, I had to stop and tell you guys that here in Brazil, it seems we have to study harder than anyone else. We have to pass the hardest test ever to be able to fly solo. I'm studying engines so hard that sometimes it feels like I'm a mechanic and not a pilot. Man, I hear you. <laughs> and also the aircraft that we fly, you're so old that I doubt that you guys have ever heard about an aircraft name, an Aerobarrow AB-115. It's an aircraft here in Brazil and has been training many pilots for, long, for so long that when we retire the aircraft – you have to change the name to Hero Aircraft. I think that's pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you for the amazing job that you are doing by bringing all these podcasts to us. Someday we will share the sky together. See you. Fly your best. Well, thanks so much. I, I think, Gabriel, that was, that was a wonderful uh, question and testament. The, uh, the Arrow Barrel, that, it's kind of a neat little airplane. I, I guess I try to liken to it like a like – a, uh, Kind of like a 150 or 170, I think it's almost like. It's a little different than that, but it's a pretty cool-looking airplane. I'll have a link to it on, on the podcast here. But, you know, I, Gabriel, I think you're right. It's it's uh, 
Every country is different. But let me let Eric he, – he sent a reply to me. So let me read you Eric Crump's reply. And uh, Eric replies, says, uh, first off, I completely understand where you're coming from. It encourages me that people like you will hold on to the dream and that your determination to accomplish the goal of flight will see you through the process of becoming a pilot. Regarding the difficulties you're experiencing in training, understand that every locale has its training challenges. Training outside the United States certainly has unique challenges as well. To be honest, I feel that pilot training in the U.S. sometimes isn't as tough as it should be. In many ways, we encourage students to know just enough about a particular subject area. We do have a large number of conscientious instructors and quality training programs that are doing it right, but no pilot should ever stop learning or improving his or her skills. Rest assured that the effort you are putting in now will pay off in the wealth of knowledge you will have available to you once you do complete the journey and end and earn your pilot certificate. That knowledge may be very well save your life and the lives of those you care about. Keep up the good work, don't look back, and press on to the goal. The satisfaction you will feel with the outcome of this training will make you all but forget about how hard the process was. It's worth it. I guarantee it. Well, that's from Eric Crump, and that is some terrific advice from Eric. And he, he, uh, I, I think Eric's a great guy, but I, I think that what he said there as far as, as moving forward and, and learning as much as you can is right. It's someday, it, it may just, just save your, your bacon. And, uh, probably the most rewarding thing as a flight instructor that I've ever had happen is, and a student come up to me and say, Hey, listen, you know, what you taught me the other day, that, that saved my life. And that, that's awesome. I think of uh, Carl there, um, you mentioned uh, Jeff Skiles earlier, and I was watching, I, I believe it was Sully, uh, the captain on, his, on Skiles' flight, uh, in, in a video or somewhere, I forget exactly where, but he was talking about, and this relates to how um, uh, Gabriel's feeling, you know, like he's learning all these things, and, and just, I know more about engines than I do about airplanes, and, and what Sully was saying was for, for 30 years or however many years he's been flying, he was making these little deposits into a bank account. And not money, knowledge, into a knowledge bank account. And on that day over New York and the Hudson River, he made a huge withdrawal. And I couldn't help but think about that as Gabriel was talking about learning all this stuff and kind of feeling like it's not really relevant. Actually, it's just in how you're framing it. You're making little deposits into a bank account. Hopefully, one day you won't need to make a withdrawal. But should you, that account of knowledge will be full and could really benefit you. You know, Tom, that, that is very true. I mean, I've I've actually had to make a few withdrawals uh, occasionally <laughs> in my life. The withdrawals usually only come but once maybe every 10 years, but uh, but you're right. You keep depositing that knowledge, and, and I like that analogy, and, and eventually you're going to have to make a withdrawal sometime. Uh, but that great, great answer from Eric Crump. We'll definitely have Eric back on the show again. He's a, he's a terrific person. And, uh, as a matter of fact, at Sun and Fun, you'll, you'll probably see him again next year because they have a lot going on over there. Uh, and they have some interesting announcements that'll probably come out in the next year as far as the expansion of Polk State College. Uh, hopefully you're going to have a four year, uh, degree program soon. So I'm really excited about that. And the other cool thing, I get to go fly the Redbird finally. Uh, wow. in their simulator this month over there at uh, Polk State. So that would be a lot of fun. 
But uh, anyway, well, thank, thanks for that question. Um, the next question is from Sahar. Uh, Sahar says, hello, I am a 20-year-old student studying psychology. I absolutely love anything in the aviation field. One major issue is that I am horrible at math. I'm thinking about studying aviation psychology, but I'm not sure how broad the career can be. Are there any aviation careers that do not require extreme math? Obviously, math is everywhere, but I mean as a strong subject. Well, you know what? <clears throat> One thing that, about math is interesting. I had a a pilot that I flew with, another flight instructor. He was a math instructor. And what he had told me, and I, I actually minored in mathematics in college, and it's interesting how he said everything comes down to algebra. You know, it, it's substituting things. So it's not – these aren't major mathematical skills, but they're basics. So I think if you master the basics, I think that you'll do really well. And there's also some uh, really good books out there. And I'll, I'll put a link in there for Mental Math for Pilots, a wonderful book. And if if you get a chance, please go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and, and link, you know, click on the link if you're going to buy the book. It helps support the podcast. But it is so cool because you learn things like the three-to-one rule. And you'll know what I mean when I talk about that and, and, and uh, planning our descent. But there all are other career fields or there are other jobs in aviation uh, human factors at, that involve psychology, and there's so many things that you can get involved with with the the human the the and machine interactions. So there's there's other things other than flying, uh, but uh, yeah, math is a basic thing. You you don't have to know calculus. You don't have you don't have to find you know figure out the the. I guess the uh, magnetic field around a toroid, you know, you, it's, you know, you don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but you do have to know what A plus B equals C. That's about it. And those are the basics. I know, Tom, I'm sure you've used a little bit of basic math, but I mean, how crazy is it math wise, you think? You know, it's not too bad, but to, to give Sahar some, some, uh, hope here, I am no good at math. And so much so that when I went to college, I had to stay three of the four summers to take extra math classes to catch up. It just never, I, I just never even to this day can figure out a lot of things mathematically. Now, having said that, I did buckle down and learn the math that's involved in flying. And today I can do that math with my eyes closed, bouncing a tennis ball in one hand and bouncing a basketball in the other hand. The necessities I got down. But uh, know that it's, it is not easy for everybody. It wasn't easy for me. But you can, Sahar, you can get down what you need to get down. And, and, and by the way, you know, you've mentioned that you are studying aviation psychology. And Carl, I don't know if you would agree with this or not. But from my perspective, I've always thought, especially as I've progressed in my career, that so much of actually flying the airplane is psychology. And you look at a lot of accidents and a lot of incidents where airplanes were lost and it was typically psychology that caused the error to be made. When they say pilot error, most of the time it's because they were thinking wrong or not putting two and two together for whatever reason. And that is psychology. So you could go down an entire road, like you said, Carl, of psychology in aviation. But if you don't want to and you want to fly, uh, you, you can get the math down. I did. <laughs> and so if I did, you can. <laughs> no, and I agree with that, Tom. And there is there is a lot of psychology involved. And when we're looking at human factors, it, it's really understanding why we made those decisions. And we say to ourselves, or and when we're looking at an accident, why that person do that? That's obviously wrong. But there's more to it than just looking and say, "Hey, this." Yeah. You know, most accidents are are pilot error. But but why? Why did it happen? That's right. What can we do different? 
how do we train pilots differently so that that won't happen again? I, I think that's that's really exciting. I think it's a really cool field. Yeah, I'm excited that she's going to get into it. But there's again, there's a whole list of other uh, jobs you can go go down with that. Also, you know, if you become a pilot with an airline, a lot of times you can get jobs within that airline on a part time or full time basis as an instructor and instructing in human factors and uh, and uh, crew resource management. That's all about the psychology, all about thinking, that type of thing. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for you. Uh, let's see. Moving on to uh, our next question is from Brittany, and we're about halfway through these, so it's gonna be it'll be a long podcast. We'll see if we we split this up into two or not, but uh, but hang in there. There's a lot of good stuff out here that we have. Um, the next question is from Brittany. Uh, she talks about becoming a captain. Hi there, I just found your site and it's very helpful in my circumstance. I've been through some of the podcasts and thought I, and though I am from overseas, I was just wondering if you could quickly run me through the most beneficial process of becoming a captain, the process in which you will receive the most knowledge and experience in order to make my way through to being a captain. Any information would be great. Thank you. I tell you this, Brittany. This is this is my one thing that I've I've always told people is the best process, and this is what's worked for me, is to think like a captain always. If you're working at an airline and you're a first officer, always think like a captain. What does that mean? That means that try to put yourself in the situation that you're involved in, where the captain might be making that decision. And ask yourself what you would do and why you would do that and go through the process of figuring out why you did that. I think that's very important when you're, when you're doing anything, any reading of magazines, uh, and books that would help you, uh, accident analysis, uh, just try to put yourself in that situation as the pilot in command. Cause you know what's really interesting when you become a captain is that before that you're sitting in the right seat and you look to your left and you say, Hey, captain, what do you think we should do? Now, as a captain, you look to your left and there's a big window, and <laughs> you're the one that has to make that decision. So there, there's a lot out there as far as be, uh, flying a ca- as a captain. There's some really interesting little books out there and tidbits. But but again, the most important thing is is to know as much as you can about your aircraft, know as much as you can about your operation. And to do that, you really have to prepare yourself by putting yourself through scenarios because there are some amazing things that can happen and in the blink of an eye, you know, you're heading for a thunderstorm and then someone in the back can't breathe anymore. Where do you go? What do you do? Those type of things. But those those scenarios through your, your mind. Tom, anything you want to add to Brittany's question? You know, I, I again, I echo everything you say, Carl. Uh, the one thing I would add is something that I've learned, because I think once you become a captain, uh, you're still learning. You, you never stop getting to that point. You can always be a better captain. And something I've learned, especially in my corporate career after I left the airlines, was this idea that we don't get really any training on uh, in in aviation, but this idea of leadership. And if you think in business, you know, great businesses run well and they're great because they've got great leadership. And that idea of leadership really carries over to the left seat in an air, excuse me in an airplane. The better leader you are the better captain you're going to be. And, and, and to kind of expound on that, by leadership, I think for a captain that means it means a lot. But two things come to mind right away. Number one is situational awareness, which is exactly what you just described, Carl, knowing, knowing all about your airplane, knowing all about your environment, all about your route, whatever it might be, that situational awareness goes a long way. And you can look to accidents and incidents, and a lot of times it was because there was a loss of situational awareness. So that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of leadership as a captain. The second thing would be 
the ability to make decisions. And this is something you can practice outside of the cockpit. You don't necessarily need to be in a pinch in an airplane in order to learn how to make great decisions. And it's not even so much about making great decisions as much as it is about making a decision. And Carl, you've probably seen this in your career. People who struggle to make decisions in the left seat, it's a very frustrating thing to watch. And at the end of the day, it's, it's less safe. There's more risk involved when you can't make a decision. So if you want to become a captain, become a good, solid leader. And I, I, I think that's great advice. You know, your decision-making process is very important. When you're making those decisions, you uh, you do th- go through a cycle, a decision-making cycle. You know, FAAsafety.gov has some pretty interesting uh, things out there as far as, you know, how to make decisions and what's the, the proper decision to make, et cetera, and, and how to go through this cycle. Because when you're making a decision, you're constantly reevaluating uh, what you've done with that decision oh, yeah. and, and whether you need to move <laughs> in a different direction. So it's but it's having that experience and you know what it's hours behind the, the yeah. levers of the throttles that really helps you and and it's also asking people mm. you know hey what would what did you do and how did you do that we've learned so much from accidents we've learned a lot from Sully in his accident you know so it and and they have enabled us to learn and to use that experience in other cases that's why we study accidents uh, so yeah, there, there's there's so much out there that you can you can look at and read, but the, most importantly, put yourself in that situation, and and try to try to try to figure out what you're going to do. You know, become that person that can make that decision, like you said, Tom. Carl, have you have you heard of a? I think it's in the AOPA series. I'm not sure, but the book is called, or their series rather, is called "I Learned About Flying from That." Yeah, yeah. I think it's either is it Flying Magazine or AOPA. I forget. It's all about decision-making, uh, yeah. real events. Well, I'll have a link to that, and uh, I'll find it. I'll put a link to that because there's a whole series of books. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely have a link at the bottom of the show notes for that. But great, great. I'm glad you brought that out. That is cool because then you can put yourself in that situation, yeah. and that will help you become a captain. So that that's a great one. But, yeah, thanks for that question, uh, Brittany. And if you have any other questions about becoming a captain, there, there's, uh, there's so much you, need, you should do, and it's more, it's more uh, you know, a philosophy than, than anything yeah. else. Uh, you know, there's the basics. You have to become a good pilot. No matter what, you have to know your stuff. But uh, but becoming a good captain is a lot about decision-making. And becoming an airline captain, it's decision-making not just in the airplane, but also decision-making as far as your customers are concerned. Hmm. And that's something that's much different. Well, it looks like we've gone an hour on these uh, questions already, and uh, I really appreciate Tom coming here to share his knowledge and his experience answering these questions, but we're only halfway through. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to actually stop here with the questions, and we're going to put uh, the rest of the questions in the, another episode of Aviation Careers Podcast. We really do appreciate Tom coming here, and uh, he'll be on the next episode answering uh, the, the following questions, the ones that we have uh, still haven't answered. I do appreciate everybody listening, and just remember to keep your eye on your goal and continue focusing on moving towards that goal. If you have any questions about an aviation career, about any careers, really, just give us a shout. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact, and then write in your information. We will answer your questions right here online. Privacy, of course, is important, so we'll we'll take out any information that... uh, might reveal who you are, but uh, it really is nice of you to share your questions with us here. We do appreciate Tom coming along. If you do uh, find that you found value from this podcast, I'd appreciate you going to Aviation Careers 
www.thepodcast.com and visiting some of our sponsors on that page. You can visit uh, Amazon, uh, crazedpilot.com, and various others. And we uh, we do appreciate your visiting our advertisers because that makes us bring this podcast to you. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.